Welcome to the Android Central Podcast, or as we like to call it, a chicken podcast based on the group that we have together today. So we have uh, the ever-lovable Jerry Hildenbrand on board with us today. Yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. And we have two favorite <laughs> uh, dudes returning. We got Chris Waddell. Uh, hey. And Michael Hicks. <laughs> Hi, I'm the resident city boy. I know nothing about chickens, but they let me on anyway. <laughs> And and I'm the weird one that lives in city limits and still has chickens. So Michael, you know they're there delicious, go. though, right? Um, th- that's my favorite meat. So yeah, there no argument go. there. <laughs> and and yes, it is nice to have fresh eggs. Yeah. So uh, Shruti got married and she's on her honeymoon or something like that. So you get to deal with us, and uh, hopefully, hopefully you enjoy it. Today we're talking about some Samsung, but not all Samsung. Uh, we're going to talk about some Lenovo stuff. Twitter getting into trouble and maybe finally bringing an edit button and uh, lots of other, you know, fun little things here and there. So we're going to go ahead and start with the Watch 5 Pro review. So Michael did that one for us. Uh, As you probably know, there are a few different models of the Watch 5. The Watch 5 Pro is the most expensive at 450 bucks. So it comes with, you know, a, a fair bit of expectations that it seems like they hit some and maybe didn't hit others. Uh, Fairly sizable list of things in the against column here, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, this was a complicated one to review and to rate and everything else. Uh, I mean, I like it. I'm still testing it as long as Samsung lets me before they make me send it back. Uh, And there are some things that improved from the last model. But yeah, it's just it's hard to get past how heavy this is and i've heard some people have responded to it saying that they have it and they're fine with it they just have more manly muscles than me maybe but it's just it's very distracting when you go from a garmin watch or a fitbit or something that's designed to be light to this bet that none of those people who come to you with that dumb shit are running marathons wearing it like you are yeah it, it wearing it it just it really does way down your hand a bit um as you're running with it uh but i you know you overcompensate for it and it's fine i mean there are people that run with weighted anklets and things so it's not like it stops me but yeah it's just i I think the the weight aside the other thing is just the fact that it is a quote-unquote pro watch but the fact that it is what makes it pro is the the battery. It's not that it actually did anything new with fitness, except for adding some uh, downloadable maps for hiking, which I don't think many people are going to use. But I was really hoping the Galaxy Watch 5 series would have Samsung sort of recapturing its active label and do more with that. And because Apple's doing that, you know, they've started adding more fitness features and sort of advertising them to go with apple fitness i'm not saying samsung should do samsung fitness but they just sort of quietly update health and don't really talk much about it and it just i don't know i I wish there was more they were doing with it to make it a a fitness watch for pros because I i don't think pro athletes are going to gravitate to this they're not necessarily adding new features for samsung health and putting things in there they're adding new sensors and or maintaining old sensors that we can't use and aren't even active for the most part and then charging us for it. So they're doing that. That's a pro move, right? <laughs> That's a good way to put it. And we, we just had this conversation in one of our meetings this week. 
Yeah, I mean, it's the same reason I wrote my editorial a few weeks back saying that I, I don't care what, I mean, Samsung's Galaxy Watch 5, the Watch 5 is fine, but the, the Pro has no reason for me to upgrade over my 4, uh, uh, my Watch 4 Classic that I bought uh, a second time around. And like, you know, they're calling it a Pro, but there's really not enough features in there to to warrant that title. I mean, much like Michael's fantastic title is heavy wear, heavy is the watch that wears the crown and you know it's yes. it's got a pro it's got a pro label on that crown but it's really not doing enough to earn that uh, you know like like Michael said aside from battery life and you know they're using titanium in, in a sapphire case and all that stuff which is fine but I'm not sure it's worth the additional price tag I, I heard one very interesting complaint about the watch from somebody that I don't know is it even out yet or is this person just one of those lucky people that gets a Samsung thing early it came out on the 26th so they would have had a few days with it okay they checked out the hiking maps uh samsung really needs to put a mode in there that locks the screen so your touch can't activate it if you're out traipsing through the woods because uh well that's that's the water mode but it they said it it didn't didn't work wet wet leaves and little tree buds and stuff what i don't know what they were hiking through would activate the screen and every time they looked down they they had a timer running for some crazy reason <laughs> that's interesting yeah because like my galaxy watch 4 classic like it's got a, a little i don't know if you pull down the quick toggles there's a little yeah looks like a little water mode, droplet yeah yeah if you turn that on like i've been in the pool with it or something like that and it, it doesn't it doesn't do anything but that's interesting yeah, and just the other thing for fitness is just it relies a lot on a touchscreen. There are other fitness watches that have a touchscreen, but they have more buttons or the buttons are like only for fitness. You know, the the back button will pause the, the workout, whereas on Samsung, it's not just for fitness. So it'll take you back to the main menu while your workout's still running. And so if I want to pause it, I got to swipe with my sweaty fingertips to, <laughs> yeah, to find the pause menu and swipe around. And yeah, it's just... It, there's that, and I've noticed when I was using sleep tracking occasionally that my pillow or whatever would activate it. So there's this bright light emanating from Ugh. my watch, just and I don't know how to turn off the screen while I'm sleeping. So I just shove it down so it's pointing into the bed and try to fall asleep. You know, it's just there are things like that that it's just a it's a crowded watch. Wear OS has so many things you can do with it. So because of that, it's not it can't be sort of specialized on fitness in some ways that a a more limited watch could. And so, yeah, like sometimes a non-touch boring limited watch is better for pros. So I wonder, okay, so I'm not going to really talk about this review, but I just finished my Motorola Edge 2022 review, right? And ignoring everything else I said about the phone, I feel like one of the things Motorola does really well is that they... um, they highlight features that would be useful to you, right? So when I adjusted the screen timeout, it popped up a little box and was like, hey, would you rather use, gosh, I forget the name of the feature now, but it's the one where, you know, the front-facing camera sees your eyes and it keeps the screen on. And there were a lot of scenarios like that where I would go to do something or I would mistakenly do something and it would pop up a, you know, a suggestion and say, hey, this mode exists for this reason. Would you like to turn it on? So I kind of wonder if Samsung needs to start building that into these products more. Like you were saying, if you have sleep tracking on, if it's obviously tracking sleep and you turn the screen on an accident and it's 2 a.m., maybe it should pop up a thing that says, hey, why don't you turn on theater mode or, you know, whatever Samsung has on the watch that 
will keep that screen off even if you touch it. Yeah, that would be good. I'm pretty sure when I, you know, I set up my Garmin watch, they just, they have a ton of pop-ups in Garmin Connect saying, do you want to set up, you know, remote tracking so people can follow you? Do you want to set up this? And that, I, I, I don't think Samsung wearable or Samsung health really did that as I was setting things up. I just had to find it for myself. So that's a pretty good point there. And I, I know now I haven't really used Wear OS 3 watch, so I don't know how much this has improved, but I know with Wear OS 2, one of the things that drove me insane was the setup process. When you first turn on your watch and you connect it with your accounts, you got to go through so many things to get things working. And the, the last two trips I took to New York, I actually wore my Scoggin Gen 6. And, you know, of course, I was using a different phone from last time, so I had to reset it and repair it and all that crap. And I forgot to turn on step tracking. So I finished both trips and I go to look at my steps and I'm like, dang it. I just spent the last three (laughs) days not even realizing I wasn't recording my steps. So did they fix any of that stuff with Wear OS 3 or is this still like you got to turn all of these things on? You have to, you know, accept the permissions and all that crap. In my experience, it records steps even if you're not stepping. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's that too. That might I, be a little I different. Mean, <laughs> I, I walked like 300 steps yesterday and I can't walk. So, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, in my case, I, it did seem to set everything up pretty easily. All okay. the, the eligible apps were already there and it certainly had all that. I, it, I did not have to turn on step tracking and it automatically records yeah. your, your workouts if you start moving quickly, that kind of thing. Okay, yeah, I guess that, that was something I, the automatic work tracking was something I liked about the the Samsung fitness trackers from several years back, the curved ones. Right. Yeah, I just think if you get, if you ignore the name, if you just, if you don't treat it like a pro and just treat it like a, a really big Galaxy Watch 5 that, that truly does last three days, that just it does. We've had multiple people test it and get the same result unless you turn on everything all at once, and then maybe it'll last you two days. But right. It, it's just Wear OS three is fun to use. I just I think it just depends on if you're the kind of person that actually likes doing stuff on your watch instead of your phone. And I'm kind of sedentary when I'm not working out. I mostly stay at my desk so I can check things on my computer or my phone. And a watch screen is just, it's small. I can, they have the new keyboard with uh, Wear OS 3.5. So I can type out a message on there, which is cool if I'm on the go, but it doesn't come up very often because I'd rather just pull out my phone to do it. Um, So it just depends on if you need all of these features and all of these apps on your wrist. If you're so annoyed with pulling out your phone to to do the stuff that the watch can do and if you are then it's it is a great watch it's just it's 450 dollars. and if you get the galaxy watch 544 millimeter it would be the same size screen it just would not the battery wouldn't last as long but the charging is so fast that you could add 50 percent battery in like 25 30 minutes so the question is, do you need a watch that is so much heavier and thicker just so it lasts longer when charging is so fast? Yeah, and that's my thing with that also is like, you know, we're talking essentially the same internal hardware across the Watch 5 and the Watch 5 Pro. And then aside from the battery, um, and then you add, you get some extra battery life and you get a, you know, a bulkier case. But man, that's a big jump for 150 bucks. It It kind of feels like the premium that, 
OEMs charge for, you know, the extra storage on your phone. Like, I know 128 gigs don't cost you guys 100 bucks, okay? Like, <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is not realistic here, okay? I will give them credit for the materials and the design. I do like the elevated case bezel, so it's sort of, you're yes. really not going to scratch this thing unless you really just slam it directly into something. I think you're going to be safe with it. And I think the 5 is just more flat, so that that is a positive for it. But I, I still think... Maybe if you're worried about that, you buy a $10 screen protector for the cheaper watch. It's hard to say. I, I'm not going to judge anyone for buying the Pro because I do think it is a very good watch. I just don't know if it justifies how expensive it is. It sounds to me like you expected a little more because of the company that made it. This is Samsung. We should expect more. You know, they want to make a pro model. We expect it to be pro. That's a fair statement there. Yeah, I, I was. I was expecting it to do more than I mean, the the four was a bigger jump. to the, compared to the three and this one was more of a just sort of more of the same as last year. And I, it did disappoint me a bit. I was just hardware wise. I'm pretty happy with it, despite the weight software wise. I was hoping Samsung would pull a few more cool tricks. Just bring back Pebble. Make everybody <laughs> hate, hate smartwatches again. Yeah, I feel like everybody would be happy with that. Yeah, that's that was a pretty solid bet. Um, all right, so then, then we also have, you know, staying on the topic of fitness bands and stuff, you had Fitbit announced a couple new smartwatches and all that this week. We have the Versa 4 and the Sense 2, and then they have the Inspire 3, which is a fitness band. Uh, not a full-fledged smartwatch like the other ones. And I thought a the Versa 4 and the Sense 2 were interesting because I feel like a lot of people were expecting these to launch with Wear OS. Am I mistaken? Like, wasn't that rumored to be a thing for a long time since Google owns them and all that? <laughs> well, it wasn't even rumored. Like, the Fitbit like, CEO or something like that said our next smartwatch will run Wear OS. And this does not, right? <laughs> Nope, it's Fitbit OS with a little bit of Google sprinkled in. Yeah, it, it like from the announcement, it looked like it it appeared like it was Wear OS essentially, right? It had similar looking features. It had the tiles. It had a lot of that kind of design, but it's specifically not running Wear OS. Although it is a new OS, not the same one that previous Fitbit smartwatches are running. So I don't know what that's going to do as far as apps go. You know. I, Outside of maybe payment apps, I'm not sure how many apps Fitbit users probably use on their smartwatches or really any smartwatch users, honestly. Yeah, from what I remember, they have a few really niche apps like Starbucks and a couple of music apps, but it's it's not a huge library at all. I'm I'm wondering if that'll change with these new models, but I doubt it because I don't think it's going to have a a big processor jump, so it probably can't run anything too complicated. Right. Yeah. And it, I mean, for the most part, it seems like these are your your typical upgrades for, um, you know, like a, a fitness focused wearable. You have some new sensors. Um, there's a new algorithm that can alert you to signs of AFib while you're sleeping or resting. Um, they're doing a lot of behind the scenes work like that. They're, they're lighter. They're slimmer. Um, they, they just they seem like nice upgrades, essentially. Yeah, um, well, there's one downgrade I just want to throw out because yeah, it reminded do. me of something Chris wrote about with the Galaxy Watch 4, which is 
the, the Versa 3 and Sense had Google Assistant and Alexa. Now, for some reason, even though it's owned by Google, they've gotten rid of Google Assistant for these, and they're only doing Alexa. I don't understand <laughs> that. I, I well, wrote about how I thought that this was going to be like an interesting sort of comparison to the Pixel Watch as a Google Watch that's cheaper and different. But I assumed, I just assumed it would have Google Assistant, and it won't. And why? I don't, it, and so it made me think of, is, is did Google decide to do that on purpose? Are they... making sure it doesn't have Google Assistant so that the Pixel Watch is the one with Google Assistant? Because that's something that I think Chris wrote about, about the Galaxy Watch 4. I I have a theory. I'm going to go out on a limb here. And and first off, I want to say this is a pure guess. I've never seen one, never touched one. I'm just like everybody else in the world. I'll bet these run Android. Not Wear OS. I'll bet they run Android. And your Starbucks app is a, a, a the Starbucks app designed for Wear OS that's been shoehorned in, that kind of thing. If it runs Android and doesn't meet all the requirements for an Android phone to have Google Assistant, it can't use it legally, even though it's mm-hmm. Google. That's interesting. Well, I'm also I'm so I'm sitting here watching this little uh, GIF go through that Fitbit provided. It's in our news post here. They're kind of going through some of the screens and you know how some of it operates. And there's a lot of design elements that mimic what Wear OS 3 has. Um, and you know, even Wear OS 2.1 with some of the way the cards are kind of the the rounded corners and the, everything's set up in cards. Um, so it's definitely pulling design cues from the new Wear OS 3. Yeah. I just I it's just a bummer to me that they won't have it, but I guess that makes sense. It it's supposed to be I think one reason they didn't do Wear OS is just so it'll stay compatible with iPhones as well as Android, because Fitbit works with both. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that is a business decision that makes sense, but that was the same last time and they managed to make Google Assistant work. So, yeah, it's just kind of strange. It's definitely weird to not see Assistant, but it's not unprecedented. I mean... Wear OS 3 launched without Assistant on Samsung's watches last year, right? Like, this is um there, there was that what was the watch that just launched like a month ago the luxury watch the other wear os3 watch the, the Montblanc. Montblanc. It's, yeah i couldn't remember how to pronounce it sorry we don't have a resident uh you know canadian to speak french whatever uh that launched without google assistant as well right weren't they supposed to add that in an update yeah yeah so this is a thing for some reason but i don't know why it's a thing it's very weird and i know um uh, Fossil, it was one of the only Wear OS companies, maybe the only one, to add Alexa support to its Wear OS watches. So it's like, I don't, I don't know how to get around this weird dichotomy of what to expect and what not to expect. But it's <laughs> this stuff is so frustrating. I don't know if you wanted to add anything else based on the the editorial that you wrote as well, Michael, about it causing potentially causing problems for the the Pixel Watch. Yeah, I mean, aside from Google Assistant, it just, it has core Google apps. It has all of the, it has probably, we don't know, but it'll probably have more health sensors than the Pixel Watch will. And the Pixel Watch is a Wear OS watch with Fitbit integration. And the question is kind of the same as the Galaxy Watch 5 Pro. Is the Pixel Watch going to attract 
fitness fans no. because of Fitbit integration, or are they just going to go directly to the Wear OS Lite experience of Fitbit and just buy a Sense, which will have you know better integration with Fitbit than what the Pixel Watch can offer because it also has to do so many other things besides Fitbit. I think you you nailed it right there. I mean, Michael, I, you are the only real athlete on this podcast today. You could see why maybe something like a new Fitbit is better for just tracking workouts and tracking your activity than a Wear OS 3 watch is, can't you? I mean, I just think... It's the the battery. They can optimize the battery life, so you're less worried about that. And Garmin can use multiple satellite frequencies now, and I think other watches are going to start doing that, but maybe not a Wear OS watch. Uh, yeah, it, there are differences, for sure. So I, I I think that, you know, again, this is just a guess, but I think the Pixel Watch is squarely aimed at the super fan. And they just have Pixel Super. Isn't that a thing now? Pixel Super fans. Yeah, there is. There is a group that you can sign up stuff. for. <laughs> yeah, they give, them, they give them Pixel socks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you could say it's going to be. In the, it's the same audience as the Pixel phones. I mean, because I mean, with yeah. the, the amount of devices that they sell there, so, I mean, you could almost say that it's an enthusiast device. Um, and so sure. I mean, the watch will likely be in the same same, you know, and collection. You know, maybe this is better for google's bottom line they, they bought fitbit if they're going to keep making fitbit products and they want to make sure they work with the two and a half billion iphones out there in the world uh maybe drawing a line is the smart move yeah it's fair well i mean google strategy is interesting but i think a lot of it is probably just chalked up to plain business versus making yeah. sense to us as technophiles, right? It's they, like you said, they have their enthusiast pixel watch, which I doubt will sell to anybody but enthusiasts, maybe a few extra people. But for the most part, those people are looking at Fitbits or Apple watches, depending on maybe which platform they're on. And everybody else goes to Samsung. <laughs> so, all right, well, staying on the topic of Samsung, and then we're done talking about them i think for this podcast we had the galaxy buds 2 pro review now andrew isn't here to defend himself but he mostly liked the galaxy buds 2 pro <laughs> i it seems like the the main thing he disliked was the battery life he said it was just okay um samsung only features are annoying as usual samsung loves to do that where they want you to buy their phones to go with their accessory products like their watches or their buds there's always at least a feature or two that is either hidden behind, you know, needing to connect to a Samsung phone or you got to install some APK and sideload it and blah, 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 or something similar to get those features, right? But I feel like, okay, he likes the comfort level, which is sort of ironic given what I wanted Chris to come on and talk about, right? <laughs> so... Chris is not the only person, but the Galaxy Buds, um, there are now a few of them that cause ear infections. And these appear, at least in their short availability window for the last you know week, two weeks, whatever, to also cause, potentially cause, ear infections for some people. 
And I don't think we ever figured out exactly what it was. Maybe guessing it's some sort of metal allergy. Would that be the case, Chris? Yeah, I'm, and that could be the case for some individuals. I'm actually starting to lean more towards uh, the camp that it's the plastic um, that they're using is more of the issue uh, with the earbuds causing infections because even with myself, so first off, I, I have not used the new Galaxy Buds to pro earbuds so this is um this is somewhat you know speculative and then you know speaking with some of our our um fans of the readers of the site who have who've reached out to us and then some of the samsung support boards and reddit and whatnot but they're using the same plastics as far as we can tell samsung hasn't released uh at least to the public or in or when we'd ask for um material lists official material lists and things like that what is being used in the new Galaxy Buds 2 Pro um, in terms of plastic and metal that would be coming in contact with your ear. Um, but for all that we can we can tell, it's the same materials. Um, so with the Buds Pro and the Buds 2 that I had used that did cause nastier infections and all that good stuff, um, the I had one of the things I tried was putting on a, a third-party foam, memory foam tip on it um, to kind of get the, the, the bud away from my ear. So the, the two points where the ch- earbuds charge when you put in the case, um, if you look at the buds plus and the original galaxy buds, those had like a, a, a goldish or a brass color to them. The new ones are, uh, have a silver finish to them, which again, we couldn't find official documentation as what it is, but it's likely a nickel, um, compound that's being used to coat the newer, uh, last year's and this year's charging contacts and nickels is, you know, has a, a fairly high rate of, um, uh, allergies to some people. So that was my initial thought. I don't have any allergies to that stuff. I was metal smithing major in college. I did all kinds of stuff with nickel and brass and all kinds of metals and raw conditions and chemicals and all that good stuff. So if I was going to get an allergy to a metal, it would have happened then. So I didn't have any problems with that. So I thought that the memory foam earbuds would get those contacts off of my ear thinking that may be the point because I don't have earrings or anything like that. And maybe it's just more sensitive there. So, Fast forward, I still had plastic touch in my ear and I still got the infections. So moving on to the buds that just came out with the Buds 2 Pro, we had a reader reach out to us um, in documenting his experience of using them. Uh, now he was one of the lucky ones that got them a couple of days before they officially came out. Um, you know, a lot of people got their, I got my Fold 4 two days before the 26th for it officially released. So um, he was one of those guys that got his his accessories ahead of time and immediately had issues with them, just like last year's Buds Pro and Buds 2. So um, he documented some pictures and in his comments and, and talking to a doctor and he put some stuff out on Reddit um, the that he was experiencing the same thing. So after I'd done a little bit of digging, I was able to find a few other instances on Samsung's own support boards as well as um, through Reddit. Um, of people having issues already uh, with the new Galaxy Buds 2 Pro. So it doesn't seem like they have many changes in materials, at least that we can tell at this point, um, but they're having similar results in terms of people having irritation and infection issues already. And I, I thought it was interesting with the plastic too, because you know with last year's Buds, they were shiny. So they had some sort of different finish on them. Whereas this year's, they're completely matte all around. There's no shiny part at all. So, you know, I don't, again, I don't know what material they're using to make that shiny finish versus a matte one. I would have figured it would have been something different in there. They call it, I looked at, I was bored last night. 
<clears throat> uh, got to reading. This is when we get the best stories. <laughs> yeah. They call it acrylito. <laughs> it's acrylic and it's dyed. Yeah, I saw with that on the list of materials. Some weird organic compound made from dinoflagellites and marine algae. And uh sounds exciting. I, I do believe that the two that we're talking about in question last year's buds two pro or last year's buds pro and this buds two pro are when they first made that change yeah from what i could gather through the my research and the documents that i was able to come across um from last year so previous buds before last year so pre-2021 samsung buds before that were using a polycarbonate plastic um in the last year they switched to this acrylate or whatever um that's just a different compound, and it's not a, it's not an uncommon plastic in general. Um, no, it's used it's in not. a lot of different things. You know, even even in parts, you know, things that you, you know, maybe even the other earbuds that you put in your ear. But maybe Samsung's putting a different finish on it. Maybe they're doing a different treatment to it to make it more durable or soft or whatever, um, whatever it is. But that that those are the two common the two points that are differing differentiating Samsung's buds from 2021 and 2022 to their prior devices is the charge contact points are no longer have a brass cover to them brass finish and they don't have the polycarbonate plastic instead they're using this acrylate or a, a variation of it uh on their newer products um so yeah i you know what really made me start looking too is i i read a long i don't know what you want to call it article somebody wrote about their experience uh their buds were out of warranty the only recourse that was made available to them is to ship them back for a repair or refurbish. You know, Samsung didn't want to give them their money back or anything. So they took, they charged them up really well, popped the ear cushions off, used electrical tape and made a homemade cushion and then took uh, some, I forget what they used, epoxy or something to cover the actual contacts put them in and within two hours their ears started to turn red and swelled up so it's got to be the plastic yeah and that's it <laughs> i was thinking this uh, as i was kind of working on building out my my recent article on this is that you know this is a huge opportunity for a third-party vendor you know free idea make make a cover make a, a yep uh, an earbud condom or something that that covers up that plastic so none of it comes in contact with the ears because <laughs> you know even Amazing. when i used the, the buds too just don't uh, make it buds, out of latex right yeah exactly the buds pro from last year like they were super comfortable like i i really enjoyed wearing them i like the features of them they sounded good but you know none of that matters if they make your ears want to fall off so right um but the other thing that i thought's been interesting is is when i was doing my research on this and trying to find out you know look through other people's experiences to see you know some people may just put stuff out there and just to complain or, or want to get a rise out of samsung or whatever um so when I was looking at boards, so I started researching this a few weeks back. The thing that I thought was funny is that I'd come across a couple of posts. I guess it would have been a few weeks. It had only been a week or so ago. But um, anyhow, doing my research, I found a few posts on Samsung's own support message boards of people asking questions. Hey, is anybody else experiencing this? What's going on with the Buds 2 Pro? I'm already having issues or whatever. The funny thing was I read them then, bookmarked those, those pages to come back to as I started writing everything up. And when I went back to them yesterday... They all redirect to the issues from last year's Buds Pro and Buds 2 um, mm -hmm. to an old post. So I thought that was really interesting. Could be a, a coincidence. I thought that was interesting. And in a similar situation, whereas I had found um, 
material list from Samsung of what they're using in all the buds per, from 2021 and prior, listing out the materials. Um, but the interesting thing was, is it says that they're all a brass uh, and then a parentheses palladium slash gold plated contacts and all using polycarbonate plastic. So they may have updated that because maybe they updated last year's Buds Pro and Buds 2 to use the older plastic. Um, but it didn't mention the Acrylate anymore. And so I was able to find an uh, old version of that same exact material sheet from Samsung. And it does list out the Acrylate. still says brass with charging contacts, but it no longer, mm-hmm. uh, it, it doesn't say polycarbonate anymore. So I thought that was interesting as well. Um, coming across some of those things that it had, had changed up or redirects on on recent support boards in a similar situation also with a Reddit post. Um, some had been removed and redirected as well. So I thought those were kind of some interesting things I came across researching this out. Yeah, that's, and it, it feels like good. they're messing around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's it's not it's not great. And I feel like Samsung, I don't know, do you think they um handle this well the first time around? No. I mean, honestly, they they know what's going on because when I when I was experiencing it last year, I'd reached out to them, went back and forth, and I had to provide them with pictures, um, uh, doctors' visits, any medications doctors had given me, like all of this stuff. I had to document all this and give this to them so I could get refunded for those earbuds. Um, so they were aware, and it, when I wasn't the first one who'd gone through this, so they had this process set up. So when I reached out and messaged them through their support channels like within a couple of messages back and forth with a, a one of the reps, they're like, Hey, here's a link, fill this out, s- provide the documentation. We'll take care of it. So they were ready. Like they knew they had something set up. They had a process to take right. care of that. Um, and the reader that reached out to us, uh, that kind of first mentioned that having issues with this has, has done the exact same thing. He said, he reached out to them. They already had a, a task force or whatever it is set up, ready to handle people's issues with these earbuds. So they were prepared before they even came out. Uh, to be able to take care of these this type of issue, whether it's for this exact issue or just problems in general, but they were prepared and knew where to route this exact problem from the start. So I think they really need to, it's something they're obviously aware of. They're dealing with this. They're taking care of customers. It's on their own support boards. They've got you know, their official moderators or whatever commenting back and, and going back and forth with, with customers of these problems on their own boards. I, mean, I don't see why, just just, put something out there, put on your website, put a link here. If you're experiencing these problems, let's go, let's get you taken care of whatever, like just be forthright about it because it just doesn't look good when it's going on. People know about it. And then, you know, then the curious case of redirects of people's posts on their message boards, no longer linking to their original post seems interesting. Um, so I think they'd be better off just, just accept it and fix the problem. Um, you know, you may have 10% of people that experience this, whether that means it's an entire recall or not, I don't know. But you definitely need to let people know, hey, this is happening. If you experience this, let us know. If you think you may have problems, watch out. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I'm I'm going to give Samsung a break on that. Uh, they're currently involved in a class action suit over this very issue in the state of New Jersey. And they they can't talk about, you know, their lawyer needs to speak for them about anything is you know, warnings or recourse or anything like that. So, you know, I'm not going to give them too much flack for not having much to say. That doesn't mean they shouldn't have found the problem and fixed it, though. That's my one quick question for you, for all of you, is just 
we know that um, product production times are such that they might find something out too late to change it in the next model. But still, do we think they knew that this would happen with their next buds and could have changed it, but didn't and just said it's only affecting 0.1% of people or however many percent. So it's fine. Or do you think they would have changed it and will for the next pros, but just didn't have a chance to? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it kind of goes, you know, it kind of goes back with what Jerry said. You know, it took a class auction lawsuit for them to be held accountable for this, whether they actually will be or not in the end when everything comes out, who knows. But it took a class action lawsuit to come out before it, you know, started to really build up. So I understand they maybe can't talk of it because they're wrapped up in legal proceedings. But at the same time, I think, and this would probably be counter counterproductive to that, that proceedings or whatever, but... I think that there should they should say something and maybe they have a press release ready to go whenever this whole thing done is with the class action lawsuit saying, hey, we're aware of this. And just big, long thing saying we're aware of this. We know it's plastic causing problems. Some people, blah, blah, blah. Unfortunately, we're able to fix it for the Buds 2 Pro. In the future, we'll take a deeper look at this and see what's causing this and try to make a better product. We apologize, whatever. But obviously, you know, like Jerry said, they can't really do anything because the class action lawsuit publicly. But I think that's the biggest issue here is, you know, aside from, you know, people having itchy and bleeding ears um that there's no acknowledgement publicly at all from the company and that's kind of what bugs bugs me the most about all this i know the the greatest thing i found yesterday when i was scouring the web reading about web reading about this somebody got them in black and they were eating black olives out of a bowl and without paying too much attention, they grabbed yes. one of their earbuds, put it in their mouth, and yes. bit down on it and cracked a tooth. That's oh, amazing. Oh, no. <laughs> Samsung oh, Galaxy God. olives. <laughs> yeah, they, they started out as beans and other olives, huh? <laughs> Jeez. Yes. I just All can right. see myself doing something like that. That's That's fair. All right, well, let's go ahead and take a break, and then we'll move on to some non-Samsung related topics. Have you ever searched for something online and were worried someone else might find out about it? Now, it doesn't have to be nefarious or embarrassing. It could be as simple as looking for a gift for someone else who lives in your home. But here's the deal. Incognito mode doesn't hide your activity. It just keeps your browser from storing cookies. If you've got a personal firewall in your home or just don't want your internet service provider to know everything you're doing online, you need a great VPN. ISPs, especially in the U.S., can legally sell your information and browsing data to ad companies. That's why even when I'm at home, I never go online without ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that encrypts your internet traffic and reroutes it through their secure servers. 100% of your data is encrypted with the most powerful encryption available, and it's all done behind the scenes, so you don't have to worry about whether you forgot to press the button or not. ExpressVPN is also great for when you might use public hotspots on any portable device you carry, as those networks are usually totally unsecured and anyone with simple tools can spy on your traffic. The best part is that ExpressVPN is available on all your devices. Phones, computers, even smart TVs, so there's no excuse for not using it. Protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by Business Insider. Visit our exclusive link at expressvpn.com slash Android, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash Android. Expressvpn.com slash Android to learn more. All right, enough of that. Now on to 
Lenovo. So Lenovo, as you know, owns Motorola, or maybe you didn't know, but now you do. And they just debuted the Glasses T1, which are a wearable display. Uh, let's not call them smart glasses, because, I don't know, some people get irked at that term when it's not. Well, I don't know. Let's not call them AR glasses. That's what it is. Let's call them smart glasses. <laughs> See, look, I can't even get the terms right. It's ridiculous. Who knows? Anyway. So these and there's things, two different kinds of AR. Yeah, right? There's I know. augmented is, and assisted. Uh, yeah. That's different. Yes. It's uh, whether or not you're using a capital or a lowercase a, right? Yeah. Anywho, so these are uh, similar to some other ones we've seen from like Enreal or some other companies where they're called a wearable display. Essentially, it's a giant monitor that you stick on your face, but obviously it's not heavy like a monitor since it's a pair of glasses. This one uses micro OLEDs. Uh, it's a 10,000 to 1 contrast ratio, 60 hertz display. Um, it basically, uh, when you put them on, it looks like you have something like a 200-inch TV in front of you. Okay, um, These things are going to cost under 500 bucks, which I think is pretty similar to other ones that we've seen. In general, I would say these are still not really super consumer-ready, not just because of the slightly bulky form factor, but also because of the price, right? Um, I know, Michael, you got a chance to, to look at them. I think for me, the most interesting thing about these versus some other ones that we've seen is that they're using Motorola's Ready for technology. Um, did, did you get a chance to use that part of it? Yeah, I wasn't familiar that familiar with Motorola's like Ready for UI when I used it, so I didn't recognize it at the time. But when I, now that I've seen it, I did recognize the uh, the sort of the menu buttons, uh, I think it's like video, games, whatever. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty straightforward. You just sort of plug it into any USB-C port on a a Windows computer, a Mac computer, an Android phone, or an iPhone with an adapter. Um, and it'll just convert your phone into a, like a trackpad sort of menu screen. And then when you're whatever you're looking at through the glasses will just be projected from whatever device you connected it to. And you can watch videos, see like a transcription of a speech you're giving. So it doesn't, you don't need to have like papers in front of you. You just have it in your peripheral, all the words you're saying, or you can play games and it's 60, uh, you know, 60 frames per second. And you got the, um, the audio built into the ears, like other smart, we not call it, yeah, smart glasses. So... <laughs> Whatever, just say yeah. it. It's right. fine. Everybody knows what we're talking about. So it, it's pretty cool just because I think of the, the price and the fact that it was pretty good visuals. Like it was clear what I was watching. Right. Um, and I I could see someone wearing these and not looking too ridiculous in public compared to right. other ones that are much thicker. Um, so... Yeah, on the one hand, it's pretty cool. On the other hand, it's kind of, yeah, it has similar problems to other AR glasses. And I brought this up in a previous podcast. I won't dwell on it too long, but just the, the field of view is pretty small. And that's just a limitation of wearing glasses. Glasses lenses are not wide enough to show a huge thing that doesn't either block your vision or it's just kind of hard to find the right angle to see what you're looking at. I kind of had to point my head up 
I angle my head up a certain way yes. to see it sometimes. And then if you turn your head, it completely vanishes from your visions. So you got to look around and find the, the view screen again. So it, th- there is just the general question in my mind of whether AR is ever going to have its moment where it's, it works really well. Uh, but I, I just want to give Lenovo credit for it. I think considering the limitations of the format, it is done well with it and it's not overly priced for what it's offering. Right. And I think in many ways, these kinds of products are similar to laptops in the 80s, right? If you go back, Google an 80s laptop or an early 90s laptop, these things were like an encyclopedia thick, okay? Like these things were stupid. These were not portable, even if they wanted to call them portable. You could see where they could go at some point. And it took 15, 20, 25 years in some cases for them to get considerably better. I mean, even early 2000s laptops are super thick, bulky things, right? So, you know, I think in a way we're gonna, it's gonna take probably a decade until these really become closer to the vision that a lot of people have. But I know for me, yes, the hardware has to get there too. But this is kind of the first time that I have, you know, and without seeing them in person, just going on maybe your impressions and the fact that Ready4 is in this, this is kind of the first time that I felt like, hey, maybe they figured out the software component. Because I know a lot of things like DeX on Samsung phones, you know, Ready4 on Motorola's phones, they've been marketed as ways to effectively turn your phone into a laptop or a desktop computer by just plugging them into a monitor, right? Or, you know, connecting to them wirelessly and having that smart TV on the same Wi-Fi network as your phone. And you know, in theory, it works. But I mean, personally, I would never want to use those things as a productivity device, because I feel like the the interaction there is bulky. Even though it is just one device, I feel like the, you know, having to set up your keyboard and your mouse and all the other stuff that you would have to do to actually turn your phone into a laptop is just kind of cumbersome. Whereas I feel like If you just have these glasses, it would make a lot more sense for somebody who's traveling, for instance, to forget taking the laptop, right? You just have your phone. You maybe have like a little extra battery with you or whatever to charge your phone when you're using it like this. And then you've got your Bluetooth mouse and keyboard and now effectively your giant monitor in the glasses you're already wearing. So I I think once we can get the hardware to the point where it is just a normal pair of glasses you wear, and then when you want to, you just click the connect button on your phone. Boom. Now you have a monitor in front of your face. Using these types of, you know, ready for a DEX or whatever pieces of software would make these products make the most sense. Yeah. I, I just, yeah, the, the portable bring your monitor on a business trip aspect of it with a UI that is simple to use. I don't know what, how many people are going to be interested in, in that kind of use case, but I do think there is potential there for it to be something people like to use. So Right. And it, Lenovo, you know, again, I don't want to talk about this too much because it's kind of out of our purview, I suppose. But Lenovo also showed off foldable display laptops. I don't want to say foldable laptops because, well, laptops already fold, right? But... <laughs> This is a laptop that is literally just a single display from the top all the way down to where the end of the keyboard and trackpad would typically, you know, reside. And you effectively fold the screen in half like a giant 
Galaxy Z Fold. Um, and that's another one where it's like, this is cool in concept, but I don't know why I would want to use this on the go. You wouldn't. Right. Yeah, that's what no. I mean. Like, <laughs> no. I just, I don't know what to do with this thing. It's cool, but. <laughs> I tried it, it, that it, as well when I, when <laughs> I went to San Francisco to try out all their products and it was very cool looking and looked beautiful. I had a lot of mm-hmm. trouble figuring out how to use it. Uh, right. But yeah, it, I guess it's just if you want a laptop, but instead of, you know, half of it being a keyboard, what if the entire thing was screen and then you could just attach a keyboard to it? Like you, you take the, the Bluetooth keyboard or whatever, and you just stick it on top of the bottom part of the screen. And then the screen shifts up to accommodate the fact that there's a keyboard on the bottom, but otherwise you can have the whole thing be a screen. I'm not sure who will use it that way or want something like that, but that's, it looked cool. I don't know. I, I wouldn't buy it. Well, in my, in my opinion, they just missed completely with the naming. It's not a full screen laptop. It's a foldable tablet. There you go. That, that makes a lot more sense. the new buzzword, and you call it a foldable tablet, and we wouldn't be having this particular conversation. That's true. Yeah, because now our perspective is, well, this isn't a laptop. It doesn't have a keyboard and a mouse pad. Right. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a foldable tablet that you can use a Bluetooth keyboard with is a much better interest grabber than check out this foldable laptop that doesn't have a usable keyboard. It sucks. Don't yeah. don't check it out at all. Yeah, well, it's I'm called like, a I, foldable laptop because it runs Windows, right? Yeah, yes. Windows makes tablets. Windows makes, yeah. I mean, I would consider the Surface a laptop or a tablet, sorry, not a laptop. Yeah, but would you, but you're not going to, how often are you going to use it in tablet without a, the attachable keyboard though? I don't know. That's, I guess that's the other question. I mean, so again, that's my, that's my thing on it. Like, how is this thing? Right. You know, and it's, that's, that's my whole thing on it. It's like, I don't want to type on the, like really type for productivity wise, I'm not going to type on the screen. And so even if it is flat on the table, like a laptop, you know, keyboard would be. So I, I have, that's where my struggle on this comes in is, you know, like you guys are saying the keyboard versus lap or the laptop versus tablet situation. So I a hundred percent agree. Like if this, they call this a tablet full of tablet. I'd be on board. I'm like, Ooh, and I could attach a keyboard. I could take a keyboard with me if I wanted to use it for, you know, for productivity. Right. That would, I think that that'd be a much better way of, of putting this. But I think because it's running windows, they're like, well, Nobody wants to buy a Windows tablet. If you call it a Windows tablet, they're probably not going to buy it. So call well, it a laptop. Well, people who are smarter than us about on this topic, the people at Windows Central, call it the most flexible, versatile Windows PC ever, and that is astonishing. So clearly, we don't know what we're talking uh, about. You're yeah, smoking I, better stuff than I am. <laughs> I, I was well, talking to... We're, we're, we're Android people, and we don't get good tablets either, so we, we obviously don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> see we all just have this hope we have this big big idea in our head of this is what we want but none of us are ever getting it so too bad yeah and i, I was talking to uh sean endicott from windows central earlier today about this exact subject and we were kind of going back and forth like i'm i'm saying this i don't really understand what the purpose of this device is and he was like well i don't really like foldable phones but i think this is a better idea so we <laughs> we got to the agree to disagree part but yeah it was it was funny to get there but I like the tablet concept better. Calling it a tablet and, hey, throwing Android 12L on it, I feel like would be a lot more no, useful. No, leave Windows on it. There are, there, I mean, what do most people use a tablet for? Netflix, games, browsing the web. Windows does a great job at all of those. Yes. 
so but battery it, life. It, it, that, that would be my my question well, if we're talking a tablet like that yeah. kind of form factor. Because I have an expectation of battery life on a laptop because I know it's going to do a whole bunch of stuff that a tablet really can't, right? But in this form factor, I don't know that it really ever makes sense as a laptop because like Chris said, I mean, I if I'm typing... I need a keyboard. I need a physical set of keys to press with my fingers. And I don't want a touchscreen keyboard. This is another reason I don't even like tablets to begin with. I feel like they're this weird in-between that doesn't really work well for anything unless you're watching videos. I don't know. I just, the, the concept is weird to me. <laughs> now you know how I felt about my BlackBerry Key 2. It was glorious. That's it. N- nothing beats real keys. Agreed. All right. Now, speaking of typing and making mistakes, Twitter is finally launching an edit button. I can't believe it. But you have to pay for it. So does anybody care? That honestly, I think that's <laughs> their best idea they've had yet. I mean, yeah, that they're bringing the it in but from a business standpoint. Why not make people pay for it? People have been clamoring for this for years. Make people pay for it if they really want it. Yes. So if you're a Twitter Blue subscriber and you're one of the lucky few, uh, there is an initial testing group that is using the feature. They're worried that people are going to abuse it. But I I don't know. I like they are. Okay. if you are Twitter and you're adding an edit button, I feel like this is the simplest thing in the world. When you edit a message, you put a caveat right on the front of it and you say this message has been edited. Click here to see the original message. And then you display the edited message. Make sure that click here is giant so everybody sees it, okay? And people will completely ignore that. Well, whatever. This is Twitter. It's a cesspool. (laughs) Wait, I should not be trusting the news I get from Twitter? No. You shouldn't trust anything (laughs) you get from Twitter, except that they're going to track your every move and sell it. Shoot. I've messed this all up. I mean, this this is why Musk wanted to buy it, right? Wasn't, Wasn't that... The whole yes, thing or so he they, could monetize it right exactly and that's that's sort of the other half of this topic right is the whistleblower calling them out which and i i found this funny right so we have we i'll just read this little piece right here and, and see if if you pick up on this right so essentially there's a whistleblower that said their twitter security is not great they got lots of bots um this guy peter zutko okay he was the head of security at twitter twitter until January of this year, when he was fired for, quote, poor performance. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm kind of like, all right, if you're the head of security and you were fired for poor performance, wouldn't that be your fault that this is happening? I feel like he's calling himself out on this. Yeah, I mean, if he's saying there's <laughs> too much spam and bots on there and it was his job to control it. Wasn't this yeah. literally your job? Sit down and shut up, Peter, whatever the <laughs> hell your name is. I mean, if anything, I suppose that that kind of proves that maybe this is true if he's got that oh, kind of history. It's true. Anyone that pays attention knows that it's true, sure. including Elon Musk knew it was true when he wanted to buy it. If you get rid of all the spam and all the bots and all the crap, nobody wants to use it. It won't have half the engagement and it won't be able to make near as much money. Right. I mean, I know uh, when I used to use Twitter to engage in more conversations and more topics than just technology, like politics, for example, my gosh, the amount of harassment I would get on there. And you knew they were all bots. That's the thing. 
every time you would get replies, I, I wouldn't say every time, but 90% of the time, I feel like I would get a reply. It was because it was a bot that was trained to reply to a keyword, right? Or trained to reply to anybody retweeting this congressman's tweet or something like that. And I had to end up blocking lots of words and just stop talking about several topics on there to retain my sanity and even continue using the platform. So yeah, it's definitely a problem. I don't know what it means for the future of Twitter. I don't really think it means but anything. But it, it, It's a problem if you don't want to make money from it. If you want to make money from it, you you look at it with the eye of, well, every time a bot screams at Nick about Hillary's emails, Nick replies back. That's more data I get from Nick. I love bots. If you want to monetize it, the bots are good. Interesting hmm. paradigm. The bots apparently don't keep people away from Twitter. I Everybody mean, I knows they're there. It. Yeah, I just use it differently. Yeah, I use it to shit post because that's what it's good for. That's what everybody should do. Just every yeah. anytime somebody says something, just at Nick about emails and birth certificates or whatever the hell. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Nick. If, if if I'm lucky, I'll have blocked whatever words you've used and I won't even see it. So yeah, because you know test my filters. Let me improve them. Go ahead and do it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to block more crap don't, on Twitter. Don't welcome that, see. Nick. Don't welcome that. <laughs> I don't okay. block anybody on Twitter. You can't spell my Twitter spammers. handle anyway, so I don't care. Right. <laughs> if That's why you, I use a weird name. If you spam crypto, I block you. Other than that, I don't block. <laughs> I let them. Let them. It's hilarious. I'll I sit back when I'm in the right state of mind and just laugh at the idiots fighting with each other. I've I've gotten better about that, but I know I used to get real heated and like stuff would that kind of stuff would bother me a lot. And I, I think that's what they <sighs> they bank on, right? Probably. I mean, I don't know. I don't make money from anything except going to work 40 hours a week, 50, 60 hours a week, whatever we have well, to work whatever. here yeah. under our boss's iron fist. <laughs> he ain't here. I can <laughs> say it. But, uh, that is definitely not how I would describe, <laughs> describe it. <laughs> yeah, we just had two three-day weeks. So, you know. Uh, yeah, exactly. I love but, it. Uh, it's it, the 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 more people you can get to type more things into that little box on Twitter, the more money you can make from them. Yep, basically. You know, if I was a better host, I would have moved to the next topic before the last one because we were supposed to talk about foldable cases, and it kind of went with the previous conversation. I don't know. We don't have to spend too much time on this. I know I have been uh, inundated with a barrage of cases. Um, the most interesting ones are for the fold because of the S pen. Right. And I know Chris also has gotten several cases for his, and we've kind of been chatting about which ones we like the best and which are different. And normally I would not talk about cases. Cases are boring. Who cares? It's a, you know, piece of whatever flimsy thing that goes on your phone. Maybe it's got a different color pattern or something that makes it interesting. But for the most part, I don't think people think too much about cases. Right. But foldable cases are a little more interesting, not just because of the form factor, but because stuff like the S Pen not being built into the Fold 4 means that you now have to have a case to handle this uh, problem, basically. And uh, I never found one on the Fold 3 that I really liked. So I just only kept the S Pen in my wallet and barely ever use a thing because of it, right? But for the Fold 4, um, 
I've been sent several different kinds of S Pen cases. I feel like this time around, manufacturers are getting a little more, uh, they're experimenting a little more than, than they did last time around. And so we have the S Pen stuck in all kinds of places all over this phone, right? You got some on the back, some on the hinge, some on the right side, some on the bottom side, some, I don't know, I'm sure somebody's come up with something else I haven't seen yet. Speedgen so far, if we pronounce it that way, is the one I like the best. It sits on the top half, or I guess when you open it all the way, the left side, it kind of juts out a little bit. And it if you look at it in pictures, it looks awkward as heck. You got an S pen hanging off the side of the phone. It's weird, right? But this one I feel like excels because it has an actual cutout for the power button and volume rocker, whereas some of the other ones I've used try to cover those bits of metal up, you know, to, to keep them from getting scratched or whatever a case is supposed to do. And it makes it impossible to press the power button. Um, and then there's some other ones I've got coming in that will have the pen on the back, the official Samsung one and all that too. But I've really been enjoying this. Like, it's kind of weird. I hate cases. I'm not a case person. But this is like the one time that I have not only enjoyed trying out new cases, but I've actually enjoyed using them. I don't know about you, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm in the same camp as you, man. Like, well, except... The fact that I, I don't like cases, but I have been using them because phones have gotten so damn expensive. Um, that is that too. Foldables leading the way on that. But at the, I had the Fold 2 and the Fold 3, and both of them, I threw them on the concrete, accidentally floated my hand, and they survived. I mean, they're great. The Fold 2 got chipped front glass and everything, but it, it worked great. Um, Fold 3, same thing, managed to not chip the glass on it, but it's all dented up and Whatever. I mean, Samsung still takes it back and gave amazing trade-in for all these things as long as it works. That's great. But but they're so thick and so bulky already when they're closed that I don't want to add extra bulk to it, but I also want to try and keep it safe. And so trying to find a case that keeps it safe and isn't bulky and isn't just falling off or, or whatever, is because it's kind of a difficult task. And then I didn't get to use the S Pen on the Fold 3, um, but with this, with the Fold 4 and all their promo deals they're doing on pre-orders i got the samsung case that came with the pin and the and the holder on the back and of all the cases i've used like i've really enjoyed using that one i haven't got to use the speedgen is that what you said that's called yeah, I, um that's how flossy <laughs> says it whatever he's the only person i've ever heard actually pronounce it like you know for several years and then other people are like spigen yeah it's called spigen I, I can't remember what some of the other pronunciations are yeah and so I haven't got to use that one yet. I've used a few others in similar situations. Like I really like the case itself, but it had like a, you know, a spot to stick the pin into, but it hid the power button. It was basically useless that you couldn't get to the power button. And then that such thick borders or bezels around the front screen that using the swipe gestures, uh, you couldn't yeah. do that. And so there, there's a lot of things going on with this. And, and I've, I thought about this last year with cases that I think like, it's definitely a challenge for third party vendors making cases like, and I think like you mentioned, you know, they're they're starting to have, you know, be more creative in their ways. But I also think that they're starting to get the form factor as a whole in the US anyways is getting proven a little bit more. Um, it's getting more popular, more people are using them and everything. So I think they're like, okay, maybe we can actually make this and you know, it won't be a complete loss because <laughs> right, there are yeah. a few more devices out there. So they're willing to take that chance and they're spending a little more R and D time trying to come up with a, a good case. And so there's a there's definitely like with every phone, you got the old otter uh, otterbox cases that were just huge and you know stick on your case on the side of your pant loop when you're out at the construction site or whatever. Um so you've got the big bulky things like that. But then 
you kind of got the with the folds. You actually get you know you're working on extra utilities of holding the pin, um, you know, a kickstand or something like that when you're trying to use this thing. Like with the fold, in its case, it's, you know, it's a it's a you know quote small tablet that you're gonna sit there and watch movies on or something. So you want it kind of propped up. So adding things like that into it adds additional challenges, but also opportunities for these case makers to kind of come out and and find ways to add utility, add protection. And for those who don't want it, finding, I think the biggest challenge is finding a way to protect it. If any way to incorporate the the pin, that's great, but also do all that without adding bulk to it um, in a good quality case. Because like I said, when you close the the fold and, and the flip, I mean, because they're basically the same thickness when they're closed, I mean, they're, they're thick and the fold being longer just takes up so much more space. And so when you add, even just, if your case is only, you know, a millimeter and a half thick, you, when you close it, you're at three millimeters. And that may not sound like much, but when the phone is already thick, it, it adds up quick. Yep. Yeah. And, and another interesting trend I've seen with both the fold and the flip four cases is that a lot of case manufacturers have come up with a hinge protection of some kind. Um, and that also varies from uh, manufacturer to manufacturer. So far, again, the one from Spigen, I on the fold is my favorite it's kind of just like a, it's like a flap, essentially, that uh, when you open it, it, you know, kind of moves back a little bit, and it still stays flat with the phone. I've seen some other hinge protectors that kind of open out, and then they jut out from the back, which I don't, I don't think I'm going to care for, but I guess I'll have to wait until they get here to try that. Um, but this one's nice, because it's just a flat flap that goes over it, whereas on the flip, it's actually um, a hinge because there's a lot more surface room there for it to go when it's folded vertically versus horizontally. Um, it's actually a like a flap of material that goes inside of the two halves of the case and then slides along, um, you know, that hinge. So as you're opening it, the it, the pieces slide inward, and then when you close it, the piece slides outward. I'm probably describing it horribly. Um, some cases I found that doesn't work real well. Uh, I hate to call it OtterBox, but the OtterBox one we got, it like the top half of, of the Flip 4 one slides up, like the whole case slides up with the hinge. It's like the, the material's too rigid. Yes, yeah, yeah. I experienced that same thing. My wife has the Flip 4, and we were testing it out, and she's like, it feels like it's comfortable once closed. I like the way it feels, but man, you open it, and the whole top half just slides up, and she's like, it just wants to fall off. Right. Yeah, and then there's, uh, I'm trying to remember what the other one, I think it's it's Zag and maybe Spec. I think those are the two that have the other ones. Those work really well. Um, I don't remember if Spigen has one that has the, the flap thing, but yeah, I'm liking that. Just again, it's like, it's they're interesting. They do something different. And then of course you have Samsung's crazy ones with like rings and straps and all sorts of stuff on them if you're into that. But yeah, they're more than just do... bulky crap on your phone. <laughs> yeah, and I do appreciate, I mean, the case that I got with when I got my Fold 4, I, it doesn't cover the hinge at all, but it's the Samsung's case. I do appreciate, and I think it's really unique, and I, I think there's a lot of space in this area that people could do things with, um, but it's it's modular. And so on the back of the phone, uh, on the edge that meets the hinge, yeah. um, it there's little a little space where it, it it literally pops off and comes out. Um, you can you could have nothing there if you want, but the the case that I it comes with one that snaps in and it gives you a kickstand, or you can pop that out and then you snap in the S pin holder, and so it goes in there and so the S pin rests on that spot. So I think it's really interesting the modularity. I think that's a it's a cool concept that I think has may have some legs. I like it. 
All right, so we're gonna wrap this up. Um, since I'm not Shruti, I'm gonna do something a little different. You're not? I don't think so. Okay. Okay, unless I woke up wrong, I don't know. Anyway, so instead of doing what made us happy, unless I suppose you really want to do it, I wanted to ask what you all were looking forward to for the upcoming Apple conference on the 8th. Do you care? Who wants to go first? <laughs> I'll go because I'm afraid somebody else might take my idea and I'll have nothing to say. Do it. Um, I, I, I'm looking forward to a new Apple Watch. Like, I want to see an actual change in the Apple Watch. Um, not just a slightly bigger screen or, you know, a different motor always on display or whatever. Like, I want to see a change. You know, there's rumors out there of an Apple Watch Pro. And so I'm really interested to see how that goes. Um, could it be kind of funny if it actually, you know, brings utility and, and actual features to the pro name, uh, unlike what we kind of we were saying earlier, Samsung's Galaxy Watch 5 Pro. But I'm really interested to see what they do with that um, because it's, in a large way, the Apple Watch is kind of a, a de facto wearable in a lot of cases, at least in North America. So be really interested to see what they do with that and change it. Um, last year, I did pick up, just for my own information-wise, using... Um, not the newest iPhone SE, but the one before that, along with the Apple Watch 7. And uh, I really like the watch itself. It's getting used to iOS as a whole. is kind of weird because I've never used uh, an iPhone for any length of time. So I'm really curious to see what they do with that um, and see if, you know, if that pushes any of the uh, Wear OS watchmakers or anything like that. But I think that's kind of where I'm looking forward to. Nice. Anybody else? I Michael? Jerry? I, I hope they actually don't update the CPU and the smaller models. I think that's smart. And I think it's time to get people used to the fact that the hardware that we just told you two months ago was super good, super great. And the best ever is still super good, super great. And the best ever, you know, two months later, it, it's not like it's going to stop working or not be good enough until the software needs that faster, better, more expensive thing, it doesn't make any sense to put it in a, a consumer electronic device. So I hope that they do it. That's what's rumored. And it'd be nice if it was Apple that does it first because it can normalize that idea. And that idea needs normalized. Sorry, at, at Nick, if you don't agree. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think it'd be Love really it. cool, but... I think the it also be potentially a good business idea. I mean, one, they're going to save money because they're not putting you know new processors already using something they already have in older phones. But it could um, you know put the new processor in the Pro and Ultra or whatever max models they call those things. Um, you know, you'll get people if they really care about it. They can't have last year's processor. You know, you're going to get them to spend more money on the new model, the Pro models or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, Michael, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, just generally, because I'm still, I know I switched to Android, but I'm still the resident Apple fan here. So there are a lot of things to look forward to. They have the new watch would be exciting. It'll be cool to finally have the the pill-shaped selfie cam thing confirmed. A really long shot, not going to happen, but the reality one showing up would get me excited. Right. The, the <laughs> new sure. ARVR headset. Yeah, you that, and me both. That I just I really am curious how they're going to reveal that, how much it'll cost, how it'll compare to Cambria, all that stuff. You know, just 
Apple has just really done a good job of making all of their their lineups, you know, get people excited for the Nick, yeah, for a new Apple Watch, but then get people excited when they are they did something so well that they do the same thing the next year or whatever. So it, it like Jerry was saying. So I'm I'm just excited for I've been using a iPhone XR for you know, four years now. Yeah, I think maybe the 14 would be worth getting next. So uh, we'll see if they impress me or I'll just stick with the old one. Did your XR stop working? No, it's still working. Still Does it works do pretty well. Everything. Yeah. Everything fine. Yeah. You know, you know what? Just email me 1200 bucks. If you oh, email, just mail me 1200 bucks <laughs> and, and use the phone that works really good that you already have. See, this is what we need to move away from, man. You don't need a new phone intervention after the podcast. That's right. (laughs) You know know what I'm happy about? Everyone else on the staff owns like four (laughs) or five phones, and I'm the one that needs an intervention. That's right. (laughs) I only have phones here that I was forced to take. I have one phone I use, and I'm going to use it for the next two years. That's fair. See, I'm just happy you call it XR and not XR, because... I hate I hate the fact that they deviated from that that one year and still tried to call it ten. No, it's X. Shut up. Maybe it is the ten R. I don't know. I always call no, it. No, I call it XR. <laughs> it has an X on the box. I'm not Roman. Anyway, all right. Me, I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the notch die and then seeing what fanboys do if they whine or if they praise or you know. I, I'm just I'm looking forward to that response. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to seeing that response because we have. S- so many Apple fanboys for so many years that were like, oh, I don't like hole punches. Notch is better. And then they're going to go, you know, like every tech company, like Samsung removing the headphone jack, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, all right, now what's going to happen when your favorite company does what you were trying to stupidly defend? Let's, let's well, see. You know what? It'll be revolutionary. <laughs> what is interesting <laughs> about that is I hear everybody on, you know, that's a, an Apple fan talk about symmetry. And everything has to line up perfectly. Well, they're going to need a honking big ass hole up there for all the face unlock stuff, whatever Apple calls it, face ID. Uh, It's not just going to be a hole like it is on your Galaxy phone. It's going to be like a big oblong monstrosity. And presumably, you know, the camera centered in it. it. I don't know. So the symmetry will be, I think... I've read that they're going to just darken the part of the the screen between the two holes. And so it will just be, even if it is, you know, a large like, hole like a and a small hole. Like yeah. A, oh, okay. Well, they just should have just kept the damn notch. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I was half hoping, based on the initial leaks, it, if you turn it on the side, it looks like an eye. So I was half hoping they were going to leave it like that. And then all their, you know, advertising would be like showing the notch and then they do iPhone on the screen. (laughs) You should get a job there. Tim Cook, hire this guy. (laughs) My friend works at Apple and does marketing stuff for them. I think I could, I'll contact him and tell him. You can feed that to him. Sell him that idea and take credit for it, Michael. All right. Sounds good. I'll make sure Jim publishes this before they they announce it. And you can use the money they (laughs) pay you to buy a new phone. Look, I'll, I'll prove it in court. I said it first. All right. I think we're done. So thanks all for tuning in. Of course, you can check us out at androidcentral.com. We appreciate you all listening. Everybody want to announce their social tags. Check us out on Twitter or whatever. I'm, I'm at 
Guanatu. I'm not going to tell you to spell it because I don't want you pinging me. <laughs> I, I'm at Guanatu. Oh my gosh, look at this. <laughs> no, at GB Hill. And you spell that just like it sounds. Right. Michael, where are you at? Uh, Michael underscore L underscore Hicks. And then Chris. If Chris is still mine's there, just I think his as, internet is yeah, having problems. Internet's going in and out here. Uh, oh, yeah. Mine's just as exciting as Michael's, so I'm Chris underscore Waddell. Chris uses Starlink, so forgive him. Anyway. Yeah, right, well, we thanks. Need, need a few more satellites. That's fair, <laughs> exactly. You ought to build up there, one out in the backyard. Put them up there. Build your own. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's it. All right, well, thanks for listening. We hope you tune in next week. See you later. Adios. Bye. Bye.